Hello, listener. Welcome back to Weakness for Bleakness. Sorry to keep you waiting. Uh, it's one of those years, I guess. Uh, we've been keeping well, relatively. I hope you've been keeping well, relatively. Uh, yeah, that's all the the limpid, are you okay, COVID check-in stuff that we need to do, I think. So strap in for uh, some bullshit, as is our want to provide. Darcy, say hello. Ah, hello, listener. How are you? How are you, Kieran? Are you well? I'm, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm okay. I'm uh, stressed out all the time and feel very busy and very still at the same time, but I think that that's hardly unique. What about you? No, you are still the man we've come to know and love. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's this is the problem with setting a really low baseline for yourself amongst your peers <laughs> is that there's no headroom for further misery. Uh, what about you? Well, they do say that, you know, great writers have very little character development of their own. Oh, wonderful. This, this will speak well for the future of your career. If not, phenomenal. if not the actual like experience of your life, which I'm afraid we may have to write off. Um, more or less there already. That's fine. <laughs> How have you been doing, Darcy? How's how's uh, the law business? Um, so the second year of my degree has been extremely stressful because all of the subjects have been like for some reason, um, third and fourth year subjects, which I'm hoping means that I will have an extremely easy fourth year as I catch up on all the second year subjects that I should have done to prepare for this year. Um, it's been fun though. It's been, it's been fun's the wrong word. It's been made more fun than it would otherwise be by the fact that the whole planet has been turned off. Mm. Um, so it's, it's been nice to have difficult word problems to solve, uh, essentially, yeah. which is what, studying law is um which has been nice i've been healthier uh, than i have been in years uh i've been i'm healthier at the moment than i have been since i left my mother's direct like control as a, <laughs> as a late teenager hmm. um because i i found that i was really struck i'd become so enormously unfit that i just like couldn't physically sit and study for long enough anymore no, i was too unfit bad, to yeah. even like just sit. So I've 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 been exercising and eating healthy food and not drinking or smoking. And I'm actually uh, the listeners may not all be surprised to hear that that can make you feel better. Interesting. I don't yeah. know if you sincerely <laughs> expect us to swallow this fascist propaganda about eating well and cutting down on booze and stuff. But uh, I'm glad to hear that. Well, this is no, this is neoliberal propaganda because I'm advocating self care. I'm not suggesting we do it for the nation. Yeah, yeah. This no, is, I this knew is I was picking. Old. I knew I was picking the wrong word, and I knew it was a word that I was intimate with and very familiar with. But uh, my brain is fucked, so the listeners are going to have I'm, to cope with that. I'm just going to call everything book, fascist. Um, uh, numbered steps to achieving actualization will be released. In the fall. Wonderful. Four word by Pete Evans, I hear. That's exciting. Uh, I could only get four words out of Pete Evans. Yeah, he's not in a good, he's not in a good way. He's not in a good way at all. No. No, he's, he's sure got that Jerusalem isn't. syndrome face going fucking like the clappers at the moment, hasn't he? He's got For sure. What a waste. What a waste of fame and wealth. Ugh. 
Oh, I know. I know. Well, um, but that, I think I think I think that's 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 enough to be getting on with for the introduction. Um, have we dropped the song yet? No, we'll do that now. All right. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs only dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, everyone their own depths rise, remember when the world was wise, we know, no, no. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, you're kind of uh, bringing the 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 gubbins. No, fuck. See, this is what I'm talking about. You're bringing material this week, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, yeah, my I think I'm a bit yin and yang here. You're healthy, alert, uh, running at a humming along at a great speed, studying law and bringing us material, and I'm fucking none of those things so well but that's that's okay kieran because we are not units of production we're human beings with lives and dramas and stories of our own yeah this is what Um, my thesis supervisor keeps telling me between the fortnightly meetings where i'm expected to produce words which she can tell me are not adequate she gets ever closer to the terrifying opening of look kieran we're both adults yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. Oh fuck! Has it got that bad? It's just um, she's in a tough position. She has to mediate between her genuine desire for me to be uh, healthy and self-actualized and happy, and and her responsibilities to the university to to crack the whip and make me miserable. Completely ignore your humanity. <clears throat> yeah, in the service of the production of a document which uh, will live and die with the one rating that the examiners give it and then fade into well, the void. I tell you what, these documents, there's been some drama at VU about the documents. The law chat is alive and uh, and wriggling because the, uh, the testimers that have been sent out to the graduate students this year mm. uh, look like they've just been printed on like a kind of um, – bubble jet home printer (laughs) they're extremely badly produced badly styled they look forged they look like they've been forged (laughs) by an idiot in kazakhstan and (laughs) and 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 they weren't even packed properly so people have got all these like folded up and ripped and stained testers they've got to walk into job (laughs) interviews next year when the world turns back on and say yeah Yeah. i'm a qualified lawyer (laughs) Look at my thing that I got from the an actual university. I promise. I mean, poss- <laughs> so that's been fun. Possible that the VU clerks and administrative staff are just making, to be honest, quite a safe bet that that students will never have to deal with the prospect of the world turning back on. That's possibly true. I, I think what it, I think it's a supplier taking advantage of the fact that under the current. Um, restrictions where we're living and operating under that the university didn't actually inspect the shipment yeah like they normally do and it was just distributed in good faith and what a mistake that's what a mistake yeah (laughs) um so yeah cynical capitalist takes advantage of naive academics 
in an all new story that's never been heard. Before. Yeah, yeah. Good to hear that there's still novelty under the sun. Do you remember <laughs> back when this when this whole thing first kicked off? And it was like, it was scary and, and stressful or whatever, but there was that hum of excitement. And we were talking about how the one silver lining, if there was like one major one, was that it felt like the wheels of history were turning again. Yes. I regret, I regret my excitement at that. I Maybe I would, maybe I would have been fine with Fukuyama style end of history stasis. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that, uh, Kieran, because it does it 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 uh, it wends us in to our um, our next bit. <clears throat> what is our next bit, Darcy? Uh, Hit us. The Fukuyama style end of history. Have you heard of Unheard? Uh yes, I have. Five minutes ago, when you told me about it, but for the sake That's of right. listener, no, I haven't, Darcy. What's thank you, tell, Kieran, tell me for being unheard. a broadcast professional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Unheard. So I, I will, I'll, in their own words, you may have guessed from our strange spelling, NB, um, unheard is spelt UN, no. capital H E R D. No. <laughs> you, may, you, may, you may have guessed from our strange. But firstly. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, man. That's 16 year old poetry notebook level. And it's the I'm main thing, said, the name. So th- th- this, 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 is, this is a grim and disgusting world. I should warn the view- listeners that I'm about to kind of rip back the uh, curtains on. This is such a sick uh, and, and, and damaging experience we're about to engage in. 16-year-old Darcy would have thought that this website was the absolute cat's pajamas. He'd have been amazing, like a Victorian junkie with an opium den. It would have just been <laughs> grim as fuck. <laughs> Unheard aims to do two things. Uh, to push back against the herd mentality with new and bold thinking mm. and to provide a platform for otherwise unheard ideas, people, and places. Otherwise unheard ideas. I cannot wait for their take on what are otherwise unheard <laughs> ideas. I cannot fucking wait. I do not think you will be disappointed. We think this approach is needed more than ever. Sorry, is more needed than ever. Societies across the West are divided and stuck, and the established media is struggling to make sense of what's happening. Can I just say that it's like, it's a bad (laughs) sign to begin with, that their official about page, something that should really be like quite strenuously worked on to make sure that it's all clear. If you can automatically proofread it to improve Scansion, (laughs) uh, just as you read it out live- like sight reading a piece of music and improving it, that's a bad sign. <laughs> they they have eight um, they have eight people on the unheard team <laughs> underneath this uh, blurg. It's um, I, I I presume at least one of them is engaged in copy editing. You would have to you would have to <laughs> hope so. Uh, the governing ideologies of the past generation are too often unquestioningly defended or rejected wholesale. Too often, both of those things are happening simultaneously. <laughs> it's easy and safe to be in one or other of these two camps, defensive liberal or angry reactionary, but unheard is trying to do something different and harder. Tell me. We want me. to be. I know what it, I, can, I can feel it. I can taste it. 
Oh, come we on. want to be bold enough to identify those things that have been lost as well as gained by the liberal world. That's a nice defensive bit. As well as gained yeah. uh, by the liberal world order of the past 30 years. But we strive to be always thoughtful rather than divisive. Bear that fragment of sentence in your head as I, because we're going to read out some headlines after this. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> We are not aligned with any political party, and the writers and ideas we are interested in come from both left and right traditions. But we instinctively believe that the way forward will be found through a shift of emphasis towards community, not just individualism, towards responsibilities as well as rights, and towards meaning and virtue over shallow materialism. This Welcome is to unheard. We fucking think- incoherent. <laughs> they're, they're liberal brain geniuses. Yeah, um, yeah. We we hope you find something that makes you think again. So the vibe that I get, and if you look at the unheard team, I suspect you'll get a probably quite similar uh, instinctive kind of response is uh, were rejected by the Guardian or the BBC at some point in their yeah. careers. Yep, it sounds like it. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's have some headlines as we try to be. Uh, <laughs> thoughtful rather than divisive. An entire website full of people having friendly Geordies style meltdowns, like friendly Geordies got rejected by the SBS for like one article and it's impacted his <laughs> worldview more than any other political injustice. Just an entire <laughs> website of that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Too smart for the mainstream. Hit the button. Deploy the genius squad. Come on. Analysis, the terrible threat of wokeonomics. <laughs> wokeonomics. Analysis, confessions of a student Marxist. <laughs> oh, that one's uh, going to be bad. Essay. I don't, it's never made completely clear what the difference between analysis, all of the categories are the same, but this is category essay as opposed to category analysis. Okay. Yeah. Enoch is- Powell reconsidered. Enoch Powell reconsidered, Kieran. Would you like to reconsider Enoch Powell? I think I'm fine. I think I have a pretty good... I think I'm comfortable with where I've come to rest vis-a-vis the topic of Enoch Powell. How is Confessions of a Student Marxist analysis and not essay? How how is there a significant difference between the concepts of analysis and essay? Um, (laughs) Well, it could be like essay versus personal essay, academic versus personal essay. Yeah, I I suppose. But then surely it would be something like um, theory or hypothesis versus reflection or something. There are definitely better ways. (laughs) I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing that unheard have perfectly structured their (laughs) categorical (laughs) system. Don't worry. There are definitely better ways to frame it. Uh, why Fukuyama was right all along. That's analysis. Fukuyama doesn't think that Fukuyama was right all along. Opinion. We've come to category three. Oh. Stop, crying fa- Stop crying foul over fascism. What? Hold on. This, <laughs> the, it's unfolding like a fucking tesseract. Uh <laughs> Why we the should left reconsider- justifies extreme and violent action by framing Trump as an existential threat to America. I mean, he definitely is, but extreme and violent action. Oh my god! Well, uh, yeah, we can't get into the fucking the dynamics of of politics around the fucking protests and police brutality. But why why is revisiting Enoch Powell an essay 
Confessions of a Student Marxist is analysis. And opinion, fascism <laughs> is fine, is an opinion. Stop crying foul over fascism. Here's another essay. Uh, Which, by the way, wait, 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 wait. Which, by the way, as a title, doesn't suggest that people are crying wolf about fascism, which would be the more evocative and simple thing. It suggests that there's fascism (laughs) happening and that that people are being unjust in their uh, declamation of it. Fuck off. It's an extremely weird headline. So- I have read all these articles, and I, I quickly like to, not to give away spoilers, but stop crying foul over fascism. The argument in in the uh, opinion essentially hinges on the fact that because the American political system is still liberal democratic, yeah. the fact that it, the government is occupied by fascist people is not relevant. Oh my god! He's essentially he's saying. But the political structure of the country is not a fascist political structure, so why are you worried? Yeah, it's not like the other fascist nations, which leapt fully formed from <laughs> Zeus's skull or whatever. It's literally, the, the, it's it's just a does mannerism, the entire thing. He's just kind of, <laughs> is the article. Um, <laughs> why, defund- why defunding the police will hurt women most? Oh, um, that's a good, that's a spicy angle. I love that. It's I love a, a bit of angle. weaponized feminism. <laughs> so this is the the spoiler for this article is that the author thinks that um, anarchists don't believe there should be like mechanisms in society to protect people. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's and- <laughs> the, 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 the great take. The, te- the way that you can tell that somebody's really engaging with the debate is if they think that defund the police means just remove public services of protection and care. Yeah. Well, the, could- the police investigate 5% of all rape kits that they process. Uh, that's 5% more than would get investigated with just nobody doing anything at all. Kropotkin famously finished listening to Nevermind the Bollocks and like threw his <laughs> last thesis in the fireplace and just said, I've wasted so much time writing these fucking books. <laughs> Johnny Rotten basically just succinctly and perfectly expressed everything. Yep. Yeah. Well, if the ideology is so simple, just get rid of all things. Just get rid of all things is, yeah, you could, Kropotkin 101, just get rid of all things. Yeah. Um, and here's the peak brain genius. We need a special website for high IQ uh, liberals. Mm-hmm. What Antifa and the alt-right have in common, you knew this one was coming, didn't you? Far from being posh kids playing at activism, the militant subsets are drawn from a precarious middle class. Mary Harrington is an unheard columnist. I think she's the only one who... So I read that out. I don't want to target her specifically other than the only... Yeah, so everyone, all of the other authors of Wank have got credentials of some kind okay um for some reason she, she's the only one where they've just kind of gone yep she works for us that's her <laughs> degree that's, <laughs> that's her kind of thing well every um, every sport team really longs for its its homegrown hero so maybe that's what they're betting they're developing her it's also one of the longest articles and the spoiler for this is that the alt-right and um, anti-fascists, fascists and anti-fascists both think that society fundamentally doesn't work. Um, 
that's the spoiler for that. How how <laughs> do people still have this fucking opinion to be to watch society not working, to watch it throw up as a result these different groups, uh, the people who are right and the people who are alt right, eh? uh, hey, hey, and alternative facts. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then just be like. Well, it couldn't possibly be that society isn't working. It's that millions of people have independently and spontaneously decided that it isn't working. Oh, I mean, I think because if you work for Unheard, it clearly is working for you. Like, yeah, yeah, you've true. Got a job where I get paid <laughs> for absolutely <laughs> trivial bullshit. You're like, I think both of these people are angry. Got <laughs> 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 to write an article about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, gee, defund the police seems prima facie a very extreme call. I wonder if there's something more to it than that. Yeah. Probably not. I won't check. <laughs> I w- yeah. Stop crying <laughs> foul over fascism. The nearly f- <laughs> the nearly 400 victims of right-wing terrorist murder since 2008 and the less than 5 victims of left-wing terrorist murder since 2008 have something in common. Jesus. <laughs> this guy, the so M- Michael Tracy is the journalist in in, in Joysy City. Michael who, Tracy um, is he on unheard? Of, yeah, of course he fucking is. That dude is just like a shit take machine. <laughs> yeah, this is this is shit take central. Um, every every he he he's very into the inverted uh, commas. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's a scare quote. He's a scare quote <laughs> king. Yeah, for, for sure. Oh, it's fucking. It's a. It's it's. I I heartily recommend this website, by the way, to everybody. So why Fukuyama was right all along. So here we hit upon the hidden, the hidden talent uh, for unheard. Mm. Uh, his name is Aris uh, Racinos. He will not be working in collaboration with Unheard for very long. Mm. I uh, I don't think uh, because it says on his byline that he's a PhD student. Right. And once once that is finished, I suspect he'll have very little need for these people. But <laughs> he <laughs> he's with them for now, and he also authored the Enoch Powell reconsidered. Tech. Oh, okay. Um, um, and what both of these. <clears throat> Articles. I mean, like they're fundamentally wrong, but they're 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 also very interesting. Um, the Fukuyama article is essentially a defense of Fukuyama's blind faith in the end of history because of this alleged um, caveat. I haven't actually like read this far through the essay, yeah. Um, so I don't know if I have no reason to doubt. Mr. Racinos. Okay. Oh, okay. excuse I've me. I've read it, but I... I, I ate my toast a bit too quickly earlier. Yeah. It um, at the end of the essay is is essentially a, uh, a warning that um, the liberal order is extremely prone to stagnation and collapse and that history is constantly poised to restart if the um, system is allowed to become unbalanced through mismanagement okay sure uh i don't recall that caveat being that uh 
that uh, explicit, but I could be wrong. It's been a while. Oh, look, it's not that explicit. So a lot of uh, the (laughs) um, Racinus does a lot of heavy lifting himself in the article, Mm. kind of reinterpreting Fukuyama's oddly, almost kind of Nietzschean discussion of like, um, you know, the, 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 the need for struggle and um chaos mm, mm. <laughs> what what is it with um with with american kind of public intellectuals and chaos and struggle uh well i mean you know it's that's a brain genius standard right it's like i guess you don't want to the late 19th century in europe and go none of these ideas have terrible <laughs> consequences i'm just gonna parrot them <laughs> yeah well i like that nietzsche is so perfect for these people because it's like he was so abstruse and poetic about his philosophy that uh he did himself a real fucking disservice and all of his uh everybody picked up on his like adolescent resentments and nobody really picked up on his uh like well, compassion I mean- and love for humanity so Frederick Nietzsche always has the very excellent defense that he was literally going mad um, yeah. while he was writing some of his more controversial books. Yeah, but, for sure. uh, yeah, like he, <laughs> it's impossible to read him in good faith without having a, like a pre-existing kind of racist or misogynist agenda. And, and um, I think you can. Other- oh, sorry. Wait. Oh. You can you can be Nietzschean without being a cunt. Like he, uh, well, that was sort of what I was coming to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like you, you always his 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 affection for and faith in humanity is actually very clear in all of his books. Yeah. If you're if if you're not approaching them as like a, a pissed off sixteen year old oh, yeah. who's looking yeah. for a kind of rage godfather yeah a hundred percent like it's so explicit in in zarathustra he's just like oh i love people all the time like that's the thing and his whole exhortation to to develop your own morality and not uh not just yield unthinkingly to the to the old moralists and philosophers doesn't mean that might is right it just means maybe don't listen to say the national party that tells you how to feel morally. Yeah. And don't listen to <laughs> and, the church. And... <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the fact that you should be wary of uh, people trying to manipulate, manipulate you. Um, yeah. Does. Yeah. Does, doesn't mean that he's <laughs> saying you should be a self-interested cunt who doesn't care about anyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, that's what makes it so perfect is that like a handful of people read Nietzsche to good effect in like the latter half of the 20th century. But, Mostly, there's this really sweet irony that he was trying to do this interesting, ultimately doomed project, and he just got picked up by fucking horrible people. Uh, look, you have to do a lot of editing work to make him a pro-fascist philosopher. That's exactly <laughs> what his sister did when she co-opted yeah, she his uh, work for the Nazi Party, Nazi Party, and he disowned her as a result because <laughs> he fucking hated Nazis. He did. He was very. He, he 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 was very down on Nazis. And yes, he had his issues with 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 um with women. And, oh, and ethnic minorities. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we can't give him too much credit. He was still a bit of a jerk. Those are more personality disorders than philosophical tenets, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, um, some of his women's stuff are literally <laughs> philosophical tenets in some of his books, but you yeah, can, but that you just, was when he was like that was literally when he had brain rot, though. Yeah, yeah, probably. And when the only woman that he was interacting with was his unhinged fascist sister. <laughs> oh, family! I bet there's a hilarious sitcom in that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you anyway, call it um, Goose Step Sister. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, the the birth you could just call it the birth of tragedy and have it take a really high high art approach to the old sitcom format. I I think we should um, brainstorm after this and email Fran Drescher. Absolutely, I'm into it. Why did you bring up I think nature that- and why did like I know why I derailed the conversation? Oh, uh, sorry, because so um, the caveat that. Um, Aris Racinus installs mm. in his essay that Fukuyama warned that liberalism was prone to rot and that um, if you allowed a large demographic of people to exist who were not included in the shared spoils of liberal economics, yeah. then they would be very tempted to restart history. And um, Racinos's contention is that the tension at the moment between fascist and anti-fascist political agitators or activists is that um, desire to restart history and have another go, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so. This is what's frustrating about the essay is even if even if that caveat is in there and highlighted, I genuinely don't recall it. I read the whole thing for research. It's not a long essay. Um, Or maybe it's in the longer book that he did. I don't know. Uh, But the caveat undermines the messaging of the essay completely because the whole point that he makes quite racistly at one point is like, we shouldn't worry about what they do in places with funny names. That's not his exact wording, but it is that sort of condescending and and shitty. Uh, because oh i'm sorry hang on hang on this is my fault it's in a, it's not at the end of the essay it's an addendum to the essay called the last man oh okay all right yeah okay so there's the the nietzschean uh vibe yeah interesting um, so the, the the and 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 the fear is that the uh, liberal the triumph of the liberal order will create a culture of the victorious slave which will um, stagnate and then combust. But it's not an addendum. It's a complete refutation. You can't say that liberal democracy is so strong and stable that it will just proliferate throughout the world and bring strife to an end. Oh, except that it will engender strife. <laughs> That's a pointless essay. But it only engenders strife if it's not managed correctly. Yeah, I but think it's- that's the point. Uh, sure. Well, I'm not going mean- to get into an argument defending Fukuyama. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to have an it. argument with somebody defending <laughs> Fukuyama. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's 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 right for the site. That's some brain genius stuff. That's, and that's the like, Enoch- well, uh, it's like the we just haven't tried true communism, except instead of being broadly speaking correct, it's having decades and decades of liberal democratic hegemony and then saying we just haven't done it right. <laughs> For sure. <clears throat> but this was his but but he's also saying, remember, 
Fukuyama was right all along, like the liberal hegemony yeah. is combusting. That's an interesting take because Fukuyama is considered the father of liberal hegemony triumphalism. Mm. Um, and his Enoch Powell thing is kind of, it's not similar because it's about a very different set of ideas, but it's about um, Enoch Powell's uh, very, very, very like unique conservatism of um, essentially if Britain is, every time Enoch Powell kind of settled on a vision for Britain, Mm. he then did a kind of, review and refutation of that position. So he went from being an ardent defender of the empire and wanting to be viceroy of India to then deciding that the empire was a disaster and the Commonwealth was a sham and Britain should just get free of it like as soon as possible and join Western Europe. And then once Britain joined Western Europe, he decided that that was a disaster and that they had to get out of Western Europe. And then he decided that Mm – uh, America was far too dangerous and they had to ally with Russia. And, and then he decided that they had to get rid of Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales because the Celts were muddying England up. And um, yeah, this is the, like, this is the marker you know, of a Powell, strong and consistent political philosophy. <laughs> I can say why they, well, we're not reconsidering Enoch Powell's political philosophy. It's actually a bit of a misleading headline because what it is is it's the consequences of English conservatism reconsidered through the framework of Enoch Powell. And Enoch Powell's kind of um, Little England minority outlier mindset that he was always criticised for in the sort of 70s and 80s has essentially almost like with his death – left his body and conquered the conservative party. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely the fucking, yeah. The shade walking the streets. What does the, uh, is he that important? Like as a figure to consider, is there any, Enoch Powell is important because not, not so much in and of himself. It's the degree to which he was dismissed as a political irrelevance when in fact, the concerns that Enoch Powell represented have proven to be extremely potent. Sure. Yeah, no, I get that. But is this entire website looking back at old figures who have become sort of maybe less central in the discourse and being like, oh, like, do you have to write an essay about somebody proving to be No, that just seems to be what Aris... What Aris Racinus does. Yeah, interesting. He, he, he seems to have, uh, I, w- I suspect probably his PhD thesis would, I suspect, has, has a connection to this. Oh, yeah. It's just revisiting past political figures and finding contemporary significance in like bits of their analysis or yeah. their praxis that were dismissed at the time. Which is probably worth doing, to be fair to him. Um, maybe, maybe. But he is like the standout of from from the rest of the writers that they have because his articles are about something, and they're like <laughs> he's chancing his arm with, um, you know, takes that could get him 
dismissed as a crank, but have some like interesting value to them. Yeah. Or or at least like they're an interesting reading experience. Whereas the the rest the rest of the staff are literally just like <laughs> the terrible threat of wokeonomics starts with what is wokeonomics from each according to his ability to each according to his need. The phrase is not original to Marx, nor is the idea exclusive to Marxism. Yet with remarkable economy, it captures the essence of the idealized communist society. Fucking hell. Of course, the reality of com- you'll this, this will make you happy because this is a brain genius uh, take. Yep. The reality of communism was best summed up in the old Soviet quip. The bosses pretend to pay us and we pretend to work, but let's stick with the ideal and what makes it so attractive. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> and he then goes on to essentially explain that the problem with wokeonomics is that um, it's not like white working class uh, labor movement stuff essentially okay uh, he's like he what wokeonomics well. is as far as i can tell from but the, the website's a bit broken because the first link to another article on this is to the article that i'm reading yeah uh, <laughs> oh and so is the second one that's interesting and the third one fucking hell. i think yeah and I the think, fourth one i think you might have you should and the fifth one you should submit an and the article sixth one. to uh to unheard analyzing this trend it is actually a wonderful betrayal of the circularity of the thinking that goes on in these kind of liberal bubbles. But yeah, 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 yeah. Here is my source <laughs> for this opinion. My mind. So wokeonomics, the, the article, the spoiler for the article is that figuring out how to live an egalitarian existence is too difficult. So instead the left come up with a series of abstract value judgments that they then use to attack people with um, like, sex workers should not be criminals and yeah. gay people are fine. Of course. Abstract <laughs> is what those are. Weird shit like that. Um, and the, the woke left has plenty to say that this is, this is, this is a good, this is a good clip of his delusion, right? The woke left has plenty to say about inequality, of course, but it's expressed in terms of concepts like privilege and voice instead of the solid language of wages and ownership. The proposal that everyone should be paid the same, though lunacy is at least comprehensible. Nobody has ever suggested that everyone no. should be paid the same. Um, <laughs> but what the heck does check your privilege mean? Inequalities of whatever kind can have economies, causes, and or consequences. But unlike orthodox Marxism, the woke left is not underpinned by a unifying economic theory. While Marxist economics is a major school of economic thought, there's no such thing as wokeonomics, or is there? We're halfway through the article. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but he eventually gets around to kind of explaining wokeonomics is um, like he thinks it's a separate stream of economic and political analysis to Marxism, but yeah. it's not, it's just contemporary concerns that have emerged from a materialist analysis of yeah, economics is, and culture. This is a really consistent uh, thing with, with people who <coughs> lean to the right or at least anti-left. Yeah. Uh, I think anti-left is probably the best way to summarize most of this. Yeah, since that... Although they do have mm. some spectator guys. Sure, yeah. Well, anyway, with anti-left leaners is like crucial in their argument is the separation uh, between uh, id poll and economic policy. 
or like the the Marxist left and the and the woke left as this guy is framing it, and it's like yeah because there are unserious people uh, in identity politics just as there are unserious people in in sort of pure strain old uh, old school Marxism. It's just that nobody pays attention to those uh, you know tankies or whatever. Um, it's crucial for them to divide it, but it's, yeah, like you say, it's, it's in its serious forms when we're talking about groups like the black socialists of America or something, uh, who are very sort of economically inclined. Hang on, hang on. That's two things. You can't have two things in a name. Yeah, I know. It's confusing, right? But yeah, the, the, the idea that they're, I don't think these woke people know what they're talking about. Yeah. When Bell Hooks wrote uh, about how every, like, anti-racism was necessarily uh, anti-capitalist or, you know, any of her sort of, like, bold intersectional shit. I mean, we have a word for it, Darcy. Intersectionalism. (laughs) Americans are so (laughs) fuck. Is this guy American? They're so fucking dumb. Um, I can't handle how this dumb guy, they are. No, this is this is um, Peter Franklin is not American. He's definitely like one of these weird anti-cap uh, conservatives. Right. Okay. Well, my point still stands. It's depressing. It's depressing that it, it's it's at the root of like foundational categorical stuff. You know, wokeonomics. He's actually this. This kind of this is a really interesting branch of Toryism in in England. Actually, this like anti-capitalist uh, Tory. I mm. think that that would be a fun thing to do a a bit on another episode um, because they they really like massively massively hate capitalism, <laughs> or kind of as much as as the left does. Yeah. Except except to the extent that. Um, they believe in like a limited private property protection. Sure. Are they so like, like sort of feudalist throwbacks or what? Like what's going on? I'm um, not too familiar with them. So what they are, if you can imagine like a, sl- a sort of more evil version of like John Tolkien, like they, they um, <laughs> <laughs> so they're in favor of like everyone in England having exactly one shop. <laughs> right yeah yep. <laughs> they, they so they, they're kind of like they're big into like local village yeah. um free market stuff but sure. no one's allowed to have everyone has to be like a small businessman like they've really picked up and run with napoleon's nation of shopkeeper thing yeah yeah interesting and every like, yeah, so brown it, coat for every man woman and child they want london to be the only city in england Preferably the UK, but they're kind of like they understand that Edinburgh has to exist. I guess. Yeah. Also, the, um, the destruction of cities is a big ask for a political project. Oh, look! I don't think that's they. They, they realistically, I don't think yeah. it's on their agenda. But when they're like quietly fantasizing to themselves, sure. everyone is a market town except for London and Edinburgh. Everyone yeah. is either a baker or a butcher or like a haberdashery store owner. Yeah. Um, there are like a very, very, very specific number of migrants in the country, not no migrants, because that would be, you know, 
unseemly. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's like an extremely specific number. <laughs> wow. They're fascinating guys. Um, and they're okay with Catholics now after centuries of hand-wringing. Interesting. So they're just, they're just uh, tree change enthusiasts, really. Small yes, village, sort of. Small village uh, diehards. That seems fairly like, harmless as far as terrible political ideologies go. It is, except for the fact that it does default to fascism before of course, any other. Of course, of like, course. <laughs> but yeah, under like a situation normal environment, they're not my primary concern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, should we have a quick break? Five minute break? Yeah, let's do that. I can't believe we, we- it's th- this fucking website is is funny as hell, but predictable as the tides. I didn't have my mind shield up and I started to get upset <laughs> about it, the it guy that you said you. was the best one. He is the best one. The fact that he's upset you the most, it, it goes to that, in my opinion. Yeah. He's come up with like the only article worth reading. He's not the best one because he's, you know, um, the most correct of them. Yeah. He's just the best one because he's got the most fascinating bits. Sure. Okay. Yeah. He, like he's the most imaginative by a mile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for him. Or at least he he's he's the the best at presenting himself as the most imaginative by saying, "Let's revisit <laughs> this unpopular opinion." By having the flair to just be like dogs, man's best friend or man's worst enemy. Some other sort of seemingly infuriating take. Yeah, because everyone else on this website is writing articles called The Problems with Dogonomics. So, of course, that one's the best. (laughs) To be fair, dogs don't have a fucking clue how to run a market. I will give the dogonomics offer that. I think, like, proto-communism dog society and proto-communism human society was kind of similar. <laughs> I don't think they had shamans. I don't think <laughs> But you don't need a shaman if you're a dog. Every dog has his own or her own internal shaman. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like a... Because uh, they are the animal spirits, aren't they? That the, So, yeah, it would be weird if an animal spirit needed to have, like, a religious instructor for interacting with itself yeah. on a... There's the uh, one, the one Miyazaki-style gigantic wolf that dwells somewhere in the center of the forest and disappears beneath the surface of lakes and pools, and then everybody else is just, yeah, shaman. What this conversation has inspired me to do is for you and I to pseudonymously, pseudonymous, fuck, pseudonymous, pseudonymously. No, it is. It's pseudonymously. It just sounds weird. Pseudonymous. I said it right. The f- yeah, pseudonymously. Yeah, yeah, I said it right. I just sounded wrong because it's a because it's a fucking stupid word that you shouldn't have used. Actually, in the first heard place. before. <laughs> yeah, fair. The point is though that we should submit an article to Unheard. Um, I think, and see if we can get published. It's our very own grievance studies, which is something that I have been. Uh, we could. I could have talked about actually, but I forgot. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's SoCal this bitch, and we should call it "What's Right About the Left." Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Oh my God. Just completely fucking incoherent, <laughs> self-contradictory bullshit. I, yes. Yeah. So yes. Well, I, 
you write like the first paragraph, I'll write the second paragraph, and we'll keep leapfrogging like that, but we must not read each other's paragraphs. Yeah, just the last sentence, like exquisite just have to integrate them together. Yeah. <laughs> I think this could be fun. This could be fun. Yeah, 100%. I'm on board. I'm on board. So, listener, please check out Unheard. Um, get Get yourself schooled up with the latest and greatest of um, edgy, British liberal thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, (laughs) all right. Let's take a break. I need to, I got a, I got a wee wee. You have to piss the unheard out of your system. I do. I do. All right. Body flushing with toxins. We will be back. We'll be back. listener hey we just had our uh, very fruitful break it was actually a really long break it was it's a shame that you weren't able to join us uh listener because it was it was relaxing it was mentally stimulating Mm. it was very pleasant i had some chocolates i had some coffee had a nice chat with mads yeah i had a cup of tea Uh, kieran Uh, was also talking to mads it was good yeah yeah it was a whole thing just uh, just like old times. We're essentially waxing ecstatic about the concept of social interaction, which is uh, real. Well, it's not something that either of us ever used to really look forward to. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, this, this, this new world that we live in has made fresh and interesting creatures of us. Yeah, it's true. I do wonder when, if, if things do return to normal... Uh, how long that high will last for me. I would give you about 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, quite possibly. I like a little bit of social interaction. And and 10 I minutes like of that will be the commuting time. <laughs> uh, most likely. So, uh, what are we talking about? What's our next thing? You got, a, you got another piece of... Uh, a field reportage for us. Yeah, so this is not making fun of um, English uh, liberals. This is making fun of English Nazis. <clears throat> yeah, it's a little bit more sympathetic than that. Hold your horses, though. It's not. It's not like you know sympathetic. Sympathetic, you say. So, as I was saying to my colleague uh, Kieran Stevenson before we started recording, while this lockdown mm. business has been underway, I've been mending my life i've been changing my ways i've been drinking much 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 less uh i haven't been smoking i've been eating healthy uh foods and exercising considerably more than i used to and with this newfound health of body has come a newfound health of mind um Mm. i mean it's it's probably mostly just because i'm drinking a lot less i think the the other stuff (laughs) could well help but de- de- definitely um not being drinking less like, definitely yeah it's yeah. <laughs> in a state of that perpetual helps. like alcohol induced anxiety is uh, is good mm. it's a good way to live um and so i, I i've my, my interaction with right-wing cranks has begun to change to yeah, this is fascinating to me previously like an instinctive lashing out as you can probably uh, imagine 
of you know disliking and confronting racism and uh, and related prejudices um, to like more of an evaluative and explorative approach um, of trying to like reach out and heal them, which is a pretty hefty mm. thing to take on. Um, this has been a persistent uh, uh, project with you in some ways, I would say. I would say it's reasonably, at this point, reasonably expected if you come to me and say, oh, I've got somebody that I've been working on or, oh, this is a project <laughs> or oh, I'm, I'm trying to, it's, it's admirable. I'm not sure how much I regard it as uh, being f- potentially fruitful, but... Well, this is a really good question. I mean, you don't really know. Um, yeah. Although one of the young men I introduced you to is um, is, is markedly improved <laughs> from the condition I found him in. But, uh, That's good. Is this the one that I got a bunch of complaints about? Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for that. That's all right. Yeah. Um, they were a very <laughs> it's complaining It's good to hear bunch. that he's doing better. They were whinging about everything that lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you could say that. And they were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were. So what, that's, what, that's what I say to people on the left. Say, oh, you're a complaining bunch. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys complain you about be... a lot. Have you noticed that? Can't you just be robust like me, the person flipping out? I've just, I've just <laughs> discovered there there are some like identifiable, consistent limbs to racists and racist beliefs. <clears throat> There's like mm. there are there are actual fascists and trolls who are both essentially. Well, not actual active fascist is probably a better way to put it. Because a lot of the other mm. sub-branches are also fascists, but they're not active yet or aware that they're fascists. So there's, there's self-aware active fascists and there are trolls who are kind of irrelevant. Like you, there's not a great deal to be gained from interacting with them unless you're actually a highly skilled counsellor or psychologist, which I'm obviously not. Sure. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple of... like more malleable branches made up of greener, sappier wood. And they are the people who are like essentially deeply, deeply um, emotionally traumatized and have been radicalized through vulnerability, which are, again, like you kind of need to be a skilled counselor to handle those Mm. people. But you can, as just a civilian, start a dialogue with them that can lead them to reevaluation. That is something that that can occur. Uh, sure. But the the branch you will have most success with is the group that are merely concerned because of the change. Right. They don't. <clears throat> they don't like the changes, and that's only a half mocking kind of expression because i do i think everybody understands really the the unpleasantness and the dislocation that happens when your community is feels like it's being forcibly changed around you um yeah like on a very very kind of banal level 
or relatively banal level, we have like arguments about architecture where developers come in and change a community mm-hmm. through fucking with the buildings, right? Um, yeah. And and the powerful passions can be generated from that because it's a kind of act of violence, unconsultedly modifying people's surroundings. Um, yeah. And then you have a more extreme community modification that takes place when the actual demographics uh, are altered, right? Now, that's obviously mm-hmm. very different to a developer coming in because that's a process of people essentially moving in and out of houses. Like it's not something that's... Um, being necessarily forced or guided but the impact Mm. on the racist or the nascent racist is a Mm. powerful emotional punch yeah Um, and so the the success that i have had in addressing it has been about a process of dialogue that encourages people to see beyond monoculture as a definition of community Mm -hmm. and learn to see multiculture as a potential avenue of community as well and it's easier to achieve than i initially thought it would be although it's still very like frustrating and disappointing because you will not succeed the majority of the time um yeah for sure or at least not immediately it's very it's really hard to know with like de-radicalization processes what happens after you've spoken to somebody they don't always get back to you yeah, yeah. And it's um, hard to know whether you've put a crack in a shell that will later be leveraged by somebody else or not. Or, it is. It's very hard. Or whatever. But I, uh, what I can guarantee, though, is it, it, it is more helpful than just calling them a racist. Because that's yeah. not like a new concept or experience for them <laughs> by this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they know how to deal with that. That's a situation they're comfortable handling. Yeah, what they're not comfortable with that. is somebody asking them sincere questions and trying to understand what their problem is. I can see how that would be a little foreign to them. Yeah, and the the opportunities, the openings it creates, um, have led have led me to a couple of productive relationships over the over the court like past three months. Um, there's a woman in England who I'm I, I'm fairly sure she's still. A racist, but she is much more open to the concept of multicultural communities than she was beforehand. Um, yeah, and there was a man also from England. I'm having a lot more success with English people than I am with Australians or Americans. I think oh, Americans, kind of Australians, are possibly beyond salvaging. Um, mm. But and I think I think the big difference is that England is not a like frontier colonist a country it's like had a kind of you know stable uh, cultural like legacy that goes back um serious numbers of centuries yeah you'd say like roughly a thousand years um if you want to mm. go to like 1066 and the modern uh, yeah. kind of monarchy so there's maybe a cultural barrier there where they're just less used to the idea of demographic change. So I think Americans and Australians mm. who are still like fucking stressing out about migration might be unsalvageable because how used to the concept do you need to be <laughs> by the yeah, 21st yeah. century as a, as a colonizer nation to, um, or a colonized nation, I should say, 
to yeah. like you know <laughs> well colonized and colonizer yeah that's true um, that's that is also <clears throat> true um yeah it's 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 kind of weird to me that english people are easier to speak to about this but i think the fact that migration is just more of a foreign concept to people I, living yeah. in, in pockets yeah. of the uk is maybe why they're easier to talk to about it I don't know. Yeah, possibly. That's something I'd need to think about because that's potentially that that could be a good unheard article. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it easier to de-radicalize English fascists uh, than Australian or American fascists? Yeah, there are also not people who are engaged in like the the hooligan culture. Um, the success that I had with I'm going to call them um, Jack and Jill. Sure. Is because they were kind of, they were not really um, doctrinaire racists. They were like you kind of uh, inverted commas concerned members of the public. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mom and pop racism, the Americans call it. God, I they need to they need to address their mom and pop thing over there. It's kind of creepy. Mm. Um. <laughs> I feel. Sure. Do you have I any agree. questions about engaging with racists? I'm trying to. Uh, I think it's like uh, you know, broadly noble or whatever. I'm I'm trying to formulate my thoughts on it. Not because I'm against the uh, idea of discourse and convincing people through argumentation i just worry about the efficacy of it long term equally as much as you can uh maybe create uh a, a point of leverage for somebody later i worry that like so much of this work can be undone so easily and the the relative kind of i mean first of all i know that this isn't your job and that you're doing this in your free time as as something to do but like the value of that versus larger structural kind of change. That's a really good question. I guess I, I'm worried about your mental and emotional health as, as a friend of mine, vis-a-vis -vis this <laughs> activity. If you're feeling the, very robust about it, then yeah, whatever, carry on. But I'm, 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 I'm I feel fine. Uh, within myself about it. I, uh, the racists obviously say fucking disgusting uh, things um, that make your soul die, but they also say mm. very funny things. One, 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 one of the women I was speaking to last week reminded me that um, Nelson Mandela and Mahatma Gandhi were also nationalists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the struggle of um, colonized people is the same as the struggle of the colonizing yeah. people. Identical. <laughs> Nelson Mandela famously was not concerned about the circumstances and context of like white people living in South Africa. It was purely <laughs> the fact that they were that upset him. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, these are the same. I don't know if they're also like exactly fuck the same people. Gandhi but, was a yeah, was Gandhi can fuck off. <laughs> um, but like, these are also the same people who will be like, Nelson Mandela was a nationalist, so what's so wrong with being a nationalist? And then they'll be like, you don't understand. Uh, 
apartheid needed to end, but it was ended by a nationalist. And now white people are in fear because of the black nationalists in South Africa. So yeah. I mean, try to have it not because ways. of Nelson Mandela. I always point out uh, when, when Nelson Mandela's brought up, I was like, yeah, but Nelson Mandela was never opposed to people migrating to South Africa. That was never an issue that he had. He was opposed to oppressive systems. Yeah, I think that I, just a cursory look at his biography might inform us as to where his priorities probably lay. That's right. <clears throat> um, he, uh, you know, Mandela's heart continued to beat to um, the rhythm of Marxism uh, after he left prison. The fact that he had abandoned that like um, armed revolutionary methodology mm-hmm. does not mean that he completely threw out his concept of you know international um, proletarian politics. He just yeah. became well, like you know. Um, physically and and emotionally very tired <laughs> because of yeah. the enormous um psychological and physical torture that was waged upon him for decades yeah but he still believed area. fundamentally in uh, uh, that that kind of you know universal human equality and dignity which you can't then sort of you know be be uh, opposed to migration his yeah. his nationalism has to be understood in a context, as does Gandhi's, regardless of anything else you want to say about Gandhi, as does say like Michael Collins's, right? Um, hmm. Which is which is that of resisting oppression, not of inflicting oppression. The, hmm. You know, to to um, yeah, when when you have people who think that those are like somehow interchangeable concepts, then you know that you've got somebody who has like really immersed themselves in fascist apologia, and yeah, is yeah. going to be a, a, a hard work. So I guess part 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 of learning to talk to racists on the internet is about picking up on things that clue you into how much they've deliberately structured. Um, their racism as opposed to if they're just, you know, nervous about demographic change or if they're just nervous about change yeah. really, and, or if they feel insecure economically and they, they want to blame someone for that as opposed to the, yeah. when, when you have people who are like, ah, oh, well, you see international Marxism is inherently pro mass migration. Then, the, <laughs> then, you know, you're speaking to somebody who's going to be a huge amount of work um, yeah, because yeah. they're kind of, half bright they they sort yeah. of they understand the tension between marxism and nationalism but yeah. they don't understand what the actual real agenda of a marxist movement would be versus a nationalist movement uh, yeah. but they're very they're very skilled at using nationalism as a as a defense mechanism there are sure. some interesting cuts you learn a lot about yourself engaging with these people too oh i'm sure you do i have a question i do have a question because yes. uh, I'm very sympathetic to the way, and there's that word again, sympathetic to the way in which uh, racism, like so many uh, petty bigotries, kind of arises out of uh, people who are disadvantaged or hard done by in some way, and explanation and answers are there's a vacuum there. So uh, reactionary stuff naturally springs out of that because it's easy and 
you know, makes you feel better or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So, the dangers of platitudes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the same, uh, very similar it's, mechanism with conspiracy theory and stuff. Just nobody's taken care of uh, a sector which has suffered for whatever reason. This, this is one of the ways. There's obviously also just virulent genetic uh, supremacists and, and all sorts of more sinister uh, things which might have similar roots or not, but like, you know, your typical sort of lumpen racist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, I, the, the, the lumpen racist. That's a good expression. Yeah, they, they, they sort of emerge from this field of abandonment, whether that's, you know, intentional in uh, abandonment or just being overlooked or whatever, no matter how petty it is. So my question is, and this is probably uh, probably relates to the diagnostic question of how do you tell who's who, uh, what in your experience have been the most common sort of reasons given for these beliefs and is there a is there a uh, a diagnostic value in that to to let you know whether you're talking with a an active uh fascist or racist kind of uh person versus one of these lump and racist goobers the people who I, so in terms of um, if you're looking for conversational clues that you're speaking to somebody who's got like a, a high chance of being reached, um, yeah. the cues that I've found, are if they talk about um, class politics, right? So if the, the um, Jill who I spoke to, understood that racism in the UK and um, disadvantage in the UK were economic. Like she understood that there was class warfare in Britain and that her community had lost or were losing it and were being yeah. sacrificed essentially as, as a question of capitalist expediency, right? So she was really yeah. easy to step across that gap and kind of say, you know, this is not because um, the owner of like your local supermarket is now somebody with a Pakistani surname is not a, the reason why your community is marginalized, right? His community yeah. marginalized as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you're both equally fucked. And the fact that you're fucked is not because they're here. It's, it's because capital has been exported, right? It's not because labor has been imported. It's because capital has been exported. That is why... Yeah you're fucked. And she kind of got that. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really easy. Jack was harder. Um, he was much cagier. Jack, I kind of was a bit of a, a leap of faith, but, but the expression that he used was my community. That was something that he used a lot. Right. So mm -hmm. Jack was a really classic white racist in the sense that he genuinely did not understand why he was re being referred to right as as privileged by, you know, yeah. by university students who yeah, had yeah. gone to, you know, like select entry um, schools and as in his mind, we're going to go off and earn like a hundred thousand pounds a year writing consultancy reports that would never get read. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And 
<laughs> when that you, is a tricky dynamic. It's a tricky dynamic, uh, right? Because the concept of privilege does seem quite absurd when you view it through their eyes without any other kind of intersectional reference points. Yeah. Because he's not a privileged person per se at all. Um, yeah. And when you've got somebody who's speaking in terms that are that strong, where he's saying, you know, or she's saying, or they're saying, um, my community has been cut out of this system. I don't want to be sacrificed for a false concept of equality elsewhere. I'm paraphrasing. Um, yeah. You know, why is somebody more deserving of help than me just because they grew up in like South London amongst one community? Why is my community in Yorkshire less deserving mm. of assistance and recognition, right? That's somebody that you can reach because they're literally asking questions, even though they're asking questions in a very aggressive and hostile manner. Yeah, yeah. Like he was trying to intimidate me. He wasn't, Legit, kind of, you know, he wasn't yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. seeking out information, right? But he wasn't. He had, at an, a, he had an answer in mind. He sure. absolutely had an answer in mind. But he wasn't at a stage of racist development yet, where he was actually comfortable um, articulating. Right, it's when they get comfortable articulating again that you know you probably need an yeah. experienced counselor <laughs> sure. on hand. But when they're still questioning, you have a chance to move in. And with Jack, I said, "Look, privilege is probably not a helpful word. It's an American word, right? And it's probably not being mm. used right." It's I also s- like of uh, it's very popular uh, in the. The, the broader discourse of things and like it has real uh import i think it's an important uh concept for for exploring some dynamics but it's in some ways very limited and only really describes you know the the relative ease of access to certain things for certain people it's yeah. not at the like foundational material level. Well, uh, and the problem that a lot of people on the left, I think don't, um, a, a lot of left politics is expressed through American culture and American cultural values and experiences. Right. And yeah. privilege in a United Kingdom context actually has a very specific meaning that is yeah, purely yeah, due yeah. to cl- purely, purely a class politics meaning right Uh, and i think a lot of people who have always used it and understood it to mean privilege being the realm literally of the landed gentry for whom you know you need a sort of set of magical keys to join yeah for sure as opposed to the police don't target you because of the way you look and i can see that um for, for jack i was able to explain that when people talk about privilege, they are talking about the fact that you are not carrying the certain number of demerit points on your back Hmm. when you try to operate in public, you know? Like your Yorkshire accent would probably limit your career if you moved down to London. But in well, this is the conversation we were having about uh, Somerset brain surgeons. Yeah, right? Exactly. That's that's. Isn't thank you for reminding me. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we'll just nip in there. My lover, we'll get that. We'll get that tumor out. 
Oh, worry. Oh, I've done this thousand times before. (laughs) (laughs) Have you? (laughs) On shape? Getting so anxious in the hospital bed as you're like, am I being fucking... I I learned coring apples on orchard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You'd be Uh, like, I'm definitely, I'm definitely being a dickhead, feeling uncomfortable about this. But also, it's my brain surgery. Um, so, I'm a set brain surgeons. Yeah, I was able to encourage Jack not to be distracted by like American political and cultural conversation, where privilege has a different meaning, and to, to yeah. focus on like his own social context, and that it was a question of not privilege, but of like the baseline and where the baseline is supposed to be, like nobody is the, the the fact that the police don't assault you is not really a privilege is it it's where the baseline should be the police shouldn't be assaulting people yeah right? yeah it doesn't feel like a privilege when things are essentially the way they're supposed to be working uh, yeah when you don't get kicked out of a bank yeah uh, because of your last name or get past your resume passed over by an employer because of your last name or whatever that should that that's the fact not that that's meant to be privilege. privilege yeah, yeah that's just supposed to be the baseline and when you're used to the cultural conversation around privilege being like it's it, it, it is not oh you don't get uh, passed over for a loan because of your surname but you get given a fucking interest free loan because of your surname <laughs> yeah, yeah that's yeah. privilege in like a british context right sure um so that was kind of interesting and but with both of them i was able to have a conversation about community that focused on the fact that uh, whether you have a monoculture or a multiculture your community still requires investment from you and work and reminding them that like if you're you know a, a large fraction of your community now uh, identify as having like eastern ukrainian heritage right or actually mm. came over from you know poland or perhaps um, perhaps uh, you've got a large community that uh, recently um, came over from like northern India, uh, East Pakistan during the hmm. partition. You still have to meet your neighbours and you still have to engage with the community for it to be a functional community, whether or not you identify them as being English or yeah, British yeah. or whatever layer of analysis you want to apply to that. Um, yeah. You still have to, you know, if, if, if you want to be like a neighbor, you still have to join the local bowls club or the rotary club. You still have to, you know, attend cultural affairs. And the fact that those cultural affairs are now more diverse doesn't mean they're somehow less communal. And this yeah. was a conversation I was able to successfully have with both of them. Mm. The idea that community required input and was a, 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 an effort of individuals yeah yeah um because part of what they're suffering from is the uh, which we're all suffering from is the atomization of community that capitalism drives oh yeah absolutely Uh, and these are all chiefly questions of how people respond to the complete fucking vaporization of of the concept of society and the public and and looking after each other and thank you human community so that's that which is what makes it so frustrating (laughs) 
being a leftist and being like, our whole thing is fucking solidarity. Come on. Well, you know, it's that funny, then, it's it, it's that tension that I think we talked about a few episodes ago where I was explaining how over culture I was as a concept. Because I yeah. like it sometimes feels like people aren't grown up enough to be allowed to have cultures because of how completely <laughs> ridiculous everyone gets about their culture. Um, yeah. and, and, and obviously, like, that was a pissy and um, that was quite a privileged perspective, you know, right? Yeah, yeah um, for sure. <laughs> and, and a very short tempered one. But I was, I was, um, but it was a response to this kind of reactionary tendency in society which was my problem it's not my problem obviously wasn't the existence of disparate cultures or culture per se um it was Mm. it's with the exasperation with the reactionary instinct of people to regardless of like the problem is 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 that um exploiters of labor have moved capital into another labor market to accrue profit because you know, you had organized too successfully. Why are you bringing theology into this? Like, (laughs) (laughs) it does sort of complicate things. What possible relevance can it be to you that um, Mm. your, your fellow like members of the working class have a different conception of a branch of the Abrahamic faith? Like, yeah, yeah it could not be less interesting or important for this particular issue. Um, I guess. Don't you, don't you see how their strange uh, religion based on the exact same rules is a threat to that famous alliance between the Christians and the Jews? (laughs) Right. Fucking Judeo Christian civilization. What a fucking weaselly expression from, you know, you don't get to, you don't get to do that. No. You're not you're not allowed to suddenly like put us on the same bench as you. Fuck off. <laughs> it's extremely fucking What a creepy, disgusting rash, Could you imagine yeah. in in future as the um <laughs> like bloody officials in, in, in um East Turkestan start talking about like Sino Uyghur civilization <laughs> because because they don't trust that all of a sudden they're getting like Kazakhstani Catholics moving in to work when the pop when the economy yeah. booms. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be so yeah. weird. So they're Orthodox, aren't they? They're not Catholic in fucking Kazakhstan. What am I talking about? They're Orthodox Christians. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, they've still got a big, a big Muslim population, hmm. but yeah. So that I guess the the trick to discussing product to productively discussing um, and helping like racists on the internet, another you you have to be um, prepared for like other people on the left to rip the absolute shit out of you in public yeah. fora, um, <laughs> which I wasn't at first because in my own mind I knew what I was doing. But yeah. <laughs> but looking at it on the on the screen, it looked like I was just kind of indulging a fascist. Um, and so yeah. some people got understandably really angry with me, particularly one person who was from like the ethnic demographic that the um, Jack yeah. had a problem with. And it's always rough when, when it's like this <laughs> purely theoretical games of logic and argumentation. Oh, and it's. And like I, I'm, you know, I mean, they were completely like within their rights to have a go at me. I, it was because um, th- there's this there's this bit of like massive injustice whereby 
you know, obviously the victim of the racism is the yeah. is the the like paramount concern. Um, yeah, yeah, and making sure that 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 people are not harmed as a result of racist attitudes and leading to racist behavior. Um, so it was really difficult to you know get that sort of dressing down and and try to explain that I was trying to de-radicalize somebody. Um, yeah, without without you know co- without what ethno explaining the uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to be yelled at. I uh, is 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 a frustrating reality of politics <laughs> in the twenty first yeah. century. And also, but yeah, and yeah, also yeah, listen. Yeah. Like, um, I I was I was able to acquire some insight in the course of being yelled at. Yeah. So it, well, it, it it's not just a case of like um, brushing off. You must never brush off the concerns of somebody who's a, who's a victim of prejudice just because they don't immediately recognize the methodology that you're using to try to de-radicalize somebody you should always yeah. listen um both both because that's <laughs> no. your your job of supporting them is more important if they come to you as somebody with concerns your job of supporting them is more important than your job of like de-radicalizing the nazi oh um, absolutely and, and 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 it will almost definitely be an educational experience for you if you if you uh, listen to them as I did, and, and don't just immediately say "shut up." I'm doing anti-Nazi stuff. Yeah, I'm operating on a very high IQ level. You probably yeah. don't understand. You probably would. Yeah, this is big brain stuff. Yeah, so it, it's important I'm to remember to, the, the priority is always mentally manipulate this dude. <laughs> I'm going to write an article about it for Unheard. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a, one of the problems. Um, white men on the left have uh, have had yeah. through history and will have throughout history is is the tendency to forget why they're on the left um, yeah yeah that does <laughs> seem to happen a bit so don't be one of those guys don't be don't be uh, more interested in like winning a battle than you are in the purpose for the battle being there that's yeah. a very very the, the means do not justify the ends in in um progressive politics so the you ends don't, don't really, justify the means. Fuck. Yeah. Listen to me. Yeah. Get things right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, make sure you have a framework. You need to have a um, a, a, a framework that understands um, working class, like class consciousness, and you need to be prepared to listen to somebody that you may not like explain what has led them to the position that you hate. Um, yeah. It, it, it it's not a case of like oh racism is obviously wrong i'm just going to wade in here and fight them <laughs> because yeah um things don't have to be right for people to feel like they've won their argument with you mm. yeah yeah 100 percent. it sounds like one of the chief values of this which uh this project which i'm definitely not going to participate in but i don't <laughs> i don't, I don't blame you like it's quite stressful the the yeah. um the the wins are not that common um yeah and the losses this, are extremely frustrating this is a hundred percent something that i would have done uh at various points in my life and the but reason you... that i'm not going to do it isn't like a value judgment it's a it's a question of uh time and energies but well, you but you also you work in care like you you have worked mm. for scope for how many years 
11. Yeah, and a you, you can't also be doing stuff like that in your time <laughs> off like <laughs> yeah that's um, true i'm not i'm not working there at the no, moment i know but, but you still like it's not you know you, you don't just stop working in care like it stays with you for a while sure i'll uh, i'll take that that free pass out but uh what i wanted to say the the positive thing that i wanted to say instead of just being shitty about it um it sounds like one of the principal or one of one of the big values uh big things of value that can be taken from it as an activity is something that is pretty crucial for the often frustrating uh, demographic of the left who will take the sort of theoretical orthodoxy like privilege. And because it makes instinctive sense to that person inclined as they are towards that uh, politics and understanding what is meant by the terminology kind of attach that, uh, that language to those concepts in their brain and then not recognize that that's that the attachment of language to concept is always qualified, not absolute. So by engaging in, in conversations like this, you can understand how that language is working since that's the weapon that we're fighting this war with at the moment, uh, for now, uh, and really refine concepts and understand what they mean from from different angles, not so that you can like wishy-washy your way into some stupid center position where you say, oh, well, actually, you know, uh, the racist is suffering, so therefore maybe it's okay to be a little bit racist, but just to understand how you can see how a, a term like privilege does sound to somebody who's uh, community was devastated 15 years ago and has never recovered. And, uh, yeah. Like there's <laughs> it's similar to toxic masculinity. It, it, it sounds yeah. sometimes like a term that was almost developed to be misunderstood. Yeah. Like if I, and it, it could <laughs> just be that that's a problem with, with this sort of concept and that it's destined to be misunderstood no matter what you call it. Potentially. I don't know, but I do know that like, yeah. it totally makes sense to me as somebody who believes like who understands and believes in the concept of privilege and of toxic masculinity and understands how that's at work in myself and in, in communities and stuff, or maybe not fully understands, but at least appreciates and believes it is. Uh, I fully fucking understand why people hear it and get pissy because you're right. It's it's, it's fucking like a focus group piss off white dude develops terminology. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's just, it's really important for if you are on the left and you are not an American, please do not just like take American progressive politics, holus bolus and apply it to your local context. Um, yeah because it's not necessarily going to have a perfect matchup. American yeah. culture feels like it's not unique because of the like incredible cultural production and distribution that they do and have been doing since yeah. the middle of the 20th century, I guess. Um, but mm. it's not universal. It's not like a blank slate. It won't match up exactly to your local culture or no. to the culture of necessarily the racist that you'll be engaging with. Um, yeah. So make well, sure you understand the political context that the conversation's occurring in. Definitely not with Britain. And like us here as well, where I, I don't know, the Australian cultural consciousness is so 
uh, weirdly fractured and and reflects him self-conscious or whatever. But like American politics is so fucking flashy by comparison and American corruption is so flashy and they've got the like basements in pizza shops where they're sucking the adrenochrome out of kids and stuff. Whereas our biggest political scandals ultimately all resemble like an episode of some rurally set hour-long drama yeah. from the mid-80s where it's about <laughs> like a small-time sawmill baron or some shit. Our political scandals are definitely still much closer to English political scandals where it will be like an MP has used parliamentary funds to build a fucking duck pond or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the big water crisis. It's a huge deal, the, the Murray Darling uh, basin stuff. It's a huge deal. There's a lot of fraud going on there. It's a it's a, it's a serious thing, but it's hardly fucking like the fifty million dollars of CIA money that just disappeared in Iraq or whatever. It doesn't have that same fucking pizzazz. It doesn't because it's a it's like it's a very nineteenth century. It's it's like the um, Patagonia like canal fraud or something. <laughs> it's like yeah yeah misuse of public waterways. To if you can <laughs> if you can transplant your political scandal. Uh, wholesale without changing anything and have it be a credible side plot for There Will Be Blood, then you're going to be dealing with an Australian. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. There, there's an interesting uh, expression in constitution law, which I learnt last month or the month before, um, which was to describe the Australian constitution. The term is the Washminster mutation. Um, and I think that's <laughs> a term a that term. I really like for the broad body of like Anglo-Celtic Australian culture and politics. The Washington yeah. mutation seems like a very nice fit. We are uh, there is a there is a uh, a unique kind of synthesis of Anglo-American neuroses and weirdnesses in our in our body politic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well. Uh, we should probably bring it to a close. Uh, yeah, that was a really nice chat, Kieran. I, I, it was, it it was, was a nice chat. I'm looking forward to Dictator Dan being um, being ousted by the American military and, and us being able to see each other again. That yeah, would be good. yeah, yeah. In the name of free enterprise, we can uh, start up that, that coughing into mouths factory that we've been talking about. The coffee mouth fat. Oh, was that? Sorry, I I had a completely different. But I like yours better. Yours probably. Uh, if 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 we if we if we just call it the Hive Immunity uh, Center, we will we will make a fortune. Yeah. Hive immunity is a much more apt term than herd immunity. By the way, I don't know if that was a slip or intentional. That was a complete slip, but uh, I I like it better. more. It's got it's- yeah, um, yeah. Okay, uh, it, it was a nice chat. What an interesting topic. If we've stepped on our dicks and said something that has grievously offended you, which is uh, always a possibility, you can email us at weaknessforbleakness at gmail.com and we will engage you in good faith in order to deprogram you if from we your remember of to check us. the emails, which I can't promise that we will. Uh, yeah, yeah. But if we, if we do not respond, it's not cowardice, it is negligence. Uh, that has led to that <laughs> occurring. Um, yeah, thank thank you for listening. Um, do uh, engage with a racist if you want to. They're, they're actually um, largely less uh, dangerous than you would imagine. Um, but don't do it 
without having some idea of what you're doing. Um, but also, also, if your theory of political practice is predicated more on community building and uh, more combative stances with systemic things, if engaging with a racist doesn't fit into your praxis worldview, that's also fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I only do it if you want to. And, and preferably, if you want to, only do it once you have learned how to. Because um, it's a, it's a, it's a strange... We'll be guess. offering seminars... Look, I'll be happy to uh, if anybody wants to if anybody wants to, to workshop talking with racists, um, please do reach out. We can start up a, it's what's that uh, documentary about the KKK guy? It's like accidental courtesy or something. I, uh, uh, about the, the, the black purple dude who, Queens man, I don't know. Uh, the the black dude who used to go and like hang out with KKK people and just painstakingly over the course of months was talk this them out the one by one geezer who used to be he was a was a traveling musician and um, I think maybe a clansman came up to him after his like gig and said something really surreal and like purely pure american racism of like ah oh, i've never seen a black man play jazz like that before or something <laughs> completely like i have no idea whether you're taking the piss or, or just a complete fucking idiot kind of um yeah area and then but, but because he was like it was a small town and the dude happens to just be the only source of entertainment in the area <laughs> they basically he like they had to engage with him at some point and he ended yeah. up yeah but they i think he said like the guy after he left town and kind of took his show on the road the guy ended up sending him his old clan robes as like a trophy like a headhunter trophy like yeah, well done, yeah. you got me here's something to hang on the wall type thing which is yeah. creepy and sweet in equal measure. I feel. <laughs> yeah, it could it could be the same guy, or, or that could be two guys. I it's a good story. A um, I wish I could remember his name. It's a really good story. Yeah. Um, of course, like he uh, had a bit of a run-in with the uh, BLM, the Black Lives Matter uh, people because of a disagreement about uh, it's Daryl Davis um, is the name of the guy, the musician guy. Uh, uh-huh. And yeah, the, the, some, some young Black Lives Matter activists kind of went in on him for his approach as being relatively ineffective or whatever. It's a, it's a contentious thing. That's in the documentary, Accidental Courtesy. Anyway, you're like uh, white Daniel Davis, Daryl Davis, I Darcy Davis. Um, not because it sounds like <laughs> he's relatively successful at this, um, apart from anything else. <laughs> successful enough to get a movie made. I don't yeah. think there's like any degree to which you can um, move into an anti-racism space as a white person and be considered interchangeable with a person of color. But thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was being deliberately just a total dick. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> um, all right, listener. Good to fucking talk to you again. Yes. Uh, you're such a good listener, listener. I bet they're uh, not in real life. I bet they're fucking impossible to talk to in real life. I suspect that we could, if we attract anybody, their character has to be called into question. 
Go and fuck yourself, weirdo. Not you, Kieran. And we'll see you again in two to six weeks. Yeah, when the mood strikes. Maybe eight weeks. Maybe eight. Hopefully, we'll be living in a better world uh, when we speak next. Oh, that would be good. That would be good. All right. Uh, That's us. See ya. Shiro. Got a closet full of moths, got a coat full of moths.